Welcome. I'm Lauren Rosen, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm Kelly Frankie, licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is Purely OCD. Kelly and I are OCD specialists who happen to also be in recovery from OCD ourselves. Each week we meet to talk about all things OCD, one topic at a time. You may notice we try to bring a little levity and humor to our discussion around this deeply painful disorder, as this has been a very powerful tool for our own recovery as well as our clients. We tend to cover obsessions, compulsions, and exposures. There's also a Q&A at the end. If you would like, you can join us in the future. We meet on Mondays at 12.30 Pacific time on Instagram Live. And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD. Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. Oh my gosh, we made it. Did we make it? Am I on? <laughs> What's happening? Shirt falls. Okay. It's my fault because I'm such a, I'm, I'm getting old and I don't update apps because I'm special. I'm sorry, guys. No, hopefully uh, we didn't. First of all, you're not old because if you're old, well, <laughs> then uh, Houston, we have a problem. Um, sorry. That was really it echoed in my ear. My laugh. Sorry, guys. It? Yeah, I was angry. Okay, well, so here we are. We've here made we are. It. We've do made you, it. Do you want to talk about who's sponsoring us? I do want to talk about who's sponsoring okay. us. Okay. This episode of Purely OCD is sponsored by NOCD. Uh, if you're looking for therapy for OCD, NOCD or NOCD offers effective, affordable, convenient therapy for OCD. At NOCD, you can do live video sessions with a licensed therapist. In between sessions, you can get support from NoCD's self-help tools and peer support community. Take the first step toward getting better by going to www.nocd.com and booking a free call. Well and that's done. what I wanted to talk about. And yeah. that's that's what I have to say and about that. Goodbye, everyone. That's it. <laughs> that's <laughs> just it. kidding. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Don't leave. No, we're really not leaving this time. Sorry. We're not. Yeah. We made it. So we did. We're going to talk talking... about some health anxiety. Yeah. Also, this is not a replacement for therapy. It really isn't. uh, It's really not. It's education purposes only. We hope it's educational slash entertaining, maybe. Perhaps. Um, Can you tell we need reassurance? Okay. Yeah. Also, (laughs) because I say it every time. um, Also, if you have questions, just click on that little question mark bubble. Yep. It's the totally. bottom of your screen. We are going to try to go through common obsessions, compulsions, and exposures. And then at the end, we answer questions that were submitted ahead of time. But if there's time, we will answer questions that are left over from people in the live. Yes. Okay. Do yeah. you want to start by talking about the difference between health anxiety and health OCD? Because I thought you did a beautiful job of... We were texting earlier and <laughs> Kelly... Kelly uh, looked up the differential diagnosis just to make sure we're fresh on that. I really appreciate what you say about it. So, well, so I don't know, I'd like to have thoughts from you as well, but it's actually a really big question that came up ahead of time with us. Um, People submitted, you know, what's the difference between OCD and health anxiety or is health anxiety really OCD? So the way the DSM um, my dear friend, the DSM breaks it down. 
-hmm. is that it's excessive worry of acquiring or having a serious um, illness or disease. Mm -hmm. Now, OCD, the differential between that and OCD is that someone with OCD primarily is obsessed with future. Like, what if this happens? Like, what if I get AIDS, not do I have AIDS, right? Right. Um, but it's really gray because it just says most people with OCD. And they talk about it in terms of, um, I can't remember now because I'm old and I blanked, but uh, around. Cool. We're old. Don't worry about it. Shoot. What was it? Uh, I'm not sure. It'll come to me though. Oh, that they'll have other obsessions other than health. That, yes, that's right. Well, and I think, go ahead. No, no, that I think that's pretty much it. But again, saying like, there's no black and white box here. You know, as much as we love our boxes, they're not there. And it comes down to just like clinical experience too, because some people will present with, they'll meet criteria for health anxiety, but it's so obvious that OCD is involved here because of the, the ritualized behavior that's not the typical health stuff, right? Like it's like just... It's hard more, to explain. More magical thinking kind of yes. stuff. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That it's a little bit less directly connected seems uh, bizarre in nature yes. somehow. Yes, exactly. The thing too is that I want to point out that health anxiety and OCD are essentially the same thing. They are. <laughs> At least in the way that we treat them. We right? treat it's- it exactly, honestly, the same. And I think that that's why we talked about including it in this sort of purely OCD, because obviously we're talking primarily about OCD, but um, the the reality is that it's sort of like health anxiety is like a very specific kind of OCD in my view, right? It's sort of like, um, like phobias are kind of like a very specific kind of OCD, right? Like, I mean, in terms of, obviously I'm viewing it from a a particular vantage point. So I I have my OCD goggles on, but I feel like there's just so much overlap in terms of we've got this thought that comes in that causes anxiety that leads us to do some form of behavior. We call them safety behaviors and, and generalized anxiety and, and in other forms of anxiety and even in, responses to trauma. But, and I think we've said this before on this, they're exactly the same thing at their, at their core compulsions and safety behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. I think also it's worth mentioning that, you know, people with health anxiety may actually have an illness, which they do talk about this in the Mm -hmm. DSM as well. They might actually have a diagnosable issue. So it's not that it has to not exist. But the amount of excessive worrying is goes beyond what would be, you know, helpful on any level. It's detrimental to their daily living. So yes, yeah, um, and I think that there's also if I, I I can't remember the exact diagnosis because I don't often diagnose it, but there's also I think it's called somatic symptom disorder, which is similar to health anxiety, but there's more of the, the sort of so-called real symptoms. Well, right. So with somatic, as I recall, is that, so with health anxiety, the symptoms are usually not present or they're very mild, Mm -hmm. right? 
but someone with somatic disorder is that there's truly, you know, like a pain, you know, excessive pain or fatigue or whatever it is, it's very specific. Um, and they're obsessed with the symptoms versus somebody with health anxiety is obsessed with what if this means, right. blah, 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 blah. Maybe it's indicative of some sort of a bigger disorder or the potential for it. Right. Yeah. But they can also blend, I think, at some point. Totally. It's all gray. You know, it's like humans are trying to put us in diagnoses, but it's the same part of our body. It's our brain. So. Yeah. 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 And there's so much overlap. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be talking about, I think, mostly health anxiety and uh, with maybe some thought or talking around the OCD component of how this can show up in OCD. But we've talked a lot about that in terms of contamination concerns too, um, how it shows up in the OCD context. Wouldn't you agree? I'm sorry. I left my body for a second. Can you say it again? (laughs) Well, well, first of all, welcome back. (laughs) Hi. Hi. I'm almost here. Okay. I'm here. Okay. Um, So welcome back, Kelly. Uh, First of all, I was just thinking that we would probably focus more on the health anxiety side of things than on the the OCD necessarily, right? Like, because we've talked a lot about the potential for future diagnoses like HIV uh, in contamination. Yes. But there's, you know, uh, like, like we've been saying the sort of fluidity of it is, you know, we're not going to. We're not going to be in boxes, people. We're going to be a mess today. I'm excited. We're going to be all over the map on this one. I know we will because it's so, such a big one. We're going to try over. to stay yeah. on the rails here. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, so common obsessions? Common obsessions. What if I have cancer? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, if, <laughs> what if I have Oh, wait, can I say one last thing? See, we're already off the rails. So, um, when have we ever been on the rails, but okay. So true. One thing I will say is I don't often, I often don't diagnose or co-diagnose health anxiety. If somebody like in the diagnostic criteria that you were talking about also has a concurrent disorder of OCD with a lot of different obsessions. And this is just one thing that it's sort of hooking into because again, sort of so similar. Just random thought. Well, I think that's actually an, as a therapist, sorry guys, as a therapist standpoint, clinically you're accurate because in the DSM, it clearly states the differential is that somebody with OCD would have multiple obsessions other than health anxiety and should therefore be diagnosed with OCD and not health anxiety. So boom, Boom. nailed it. You're a good therapist. Damn. (laughs) Wow. For this second. Um, so, but going back to uh, I, uh, where, where we last left our common obsessions, um, what if I have mm. cancer? Your turn. Right. Um, what if, gosh, I don't know why my brain's totally blanking today. Okay. Um, what MS? if, what if I have MS? What if I, um, what's another like uh, genetic, because usually it's like an obsession about, what is it? Huntington, Huntington's, Huntington's, Huntington's. I can't remember if it's Huntington's or Huntington's. Huntington's. I think there's a T. It's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, Although hmm. usually there's a test for that. And if you have a family history of it, you're probably going to get, well, maybe you get the test. But what about, um, 
ALS, like a degenerative, like I, I feel like the degenerative diseases come up a lot and yeah. health anxiety. I don't know if I've ever treated one of those, but oh. you're right. I've, I've definitely certainly read it and we've talked about it in staff meetings, but yeah. absolutely. Alzheimer's. Yes. Yeah. Also yeah. very common. Um, oh, it's one interesting. Of the, yeah. Go ahead. No, you go. One of the questions that came up in the, yeah, well, uh, oh yeah, schizophrenia. But one of the questions said something to the effect of, uh, what if you have postpartum around having health anxiety about your baby? And one of the things that I think I was going to point out is that it can be sort of a by proxy thing. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, it could be in that postpartum and me affecting the baby somehow while it's in utero. But I was thinking about the fact that sometimes you can have health anxiety about your loved ones, right? Like that you can have fears by about. Proxy. Yeah, exactly. Like what I if my. I didn't have that or anything. <laughs> I've never had obsessions <laughs> about whether or not my parents could get dementia or something. No. It's or not, that it's my, not I've poisoned my child with cortisol hormones. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened in my mind. <laughs> no, that's never, never, never. Seems really far-fetched for me. I know. Okay. Sorry. I'm going off the rails. No. I, I think it's worth mentioning, actually. Sorry, were you? No, I'm done. Okay. Um, the schizophrenia stuff is interesting because I think that also came up a lot with the questions is the reality is that we see that a lot. And the bipolar and, right, like, you're missing a diagnosis, Kelly and Lauren, you guys, separate sessions. You know, like, are you sure I'm not bipolar? Are you sure I don't have postpartum depression? Are you sure that it's this? It's sure that it's that. Mm -hmm. So, again, that goes back to the original statement is, like, usually those folks have lots of obsessions. That's not their only obsession. And it's usually, um, am I getting it right is this like there's no one that's like i'm full-blown like psychotic it's like oh i'm hearing sounds and i'm over attending it's like definitely future based yeah there is sort of a it's going to get worse certainly it's gonna get worse it's gonna get worse yes yeah although yeah no you're right i I was just thinking about in the context of uh depression too like fears i this may have come up when we were talking about the um, the mental, like mental health obsessions in Mm -hmm. an earlier episode. But I think sometimes it's even with something that you have already had that you're going to get it again. And that can even branch into the anxiety about anxiety, but with more typically comorbid disorders, like major depressive disorder, that there's this concern that, oh my gosh, is this, am I depressed? What about now? What about now? And that can also relate to obsessions about self-harm. That's all just like a web of stuff. Web of lies. Web of lies woven by your old pal OCD. (laughs) By your own brain. (laughs) Aren't you creative though, brain? Um, Yeah, I know. Well said. It just, it can, isn't that interesting how it just spins out like that? Just, and you can almost see it coming, you know, like you have some, a client come in and they tell you something. You're like, oh man, I know where this one's going. Yeah. <laughs> I already oh, know boy. what road we're going on. 
<laughs> stop right there. I got Don't it. open the door. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> just, just let it be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. And also with the schizophrenia or the depression stuff, in health anxiety, it's very specific about somatic physical sensations. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly... OCD can kind of almost self-generate because you're over-attending, over-valuing, and over-identifying physical sensations. This is more around the lines of like physically, not like auditory hallucinations per se, right? It's like you have an upset stomach. Oh, I have stomach cancer. Yes. Yeah. And so a lot of the triggers, the things that trigger the, the intrusive thoughts are physical sensations. Um, I've worked with people who, who are, worried about things like jaundice too so they'll compulsively check uh, work to compulsive for their kids or no for themselves oh interesting so they'll be like is my skin yellow what about now right there'll be a lot of checking in the mirror around uh you know what if i've never seen that yeah i bet you that can cross the line into bdd stuff too at some point i don't think that specifically but i could see where choose your own adventure could go choose your own adventure you know <laughs> you do it is yeah. it is somebody should write that book what? you should write that book the choose your own adventure for ocd oh that would be so much fun too that would be choose a compulsion here and then <laughs> all roads lead to you know the black mirror one i don't know if you ever watched that yeah, that was a but the, the choose your own adventure one. It always ends bad. It's like I didn't. Well, I didn't yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> anyways, I'm not even gonna go into that. I was like tracking all the options that I had chosen because I wanted to go back get and every possible way. variable first to make sure I didn't miss anything. Does Does anyone not go back and look and see what would have happened if they chose the other way, or is that just an OCD thing? That would be an interesting study. Yeah, it's probably pretty average. I would say. Yeah. But, you know, I like to be thorough across the board. I wear, I watch, I wear, I watch subtitles because I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like. Yeah. (laughs) What did it say? (laughs) Oh, no, it's delayed. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, sorry. Back on. What I said. No, no, like if the subtitles get delayed, you obviously aren't a subtitle reader or you would have fallen. <laughs> Anywho. Oh, boy, we're off the rails. I so like it. Coming so back. Coming back. But yeah, I think a lot of the time it's like something fatal too, like heart disease or um, like something that's going to, to cause some sort of catastrophic outcome because naturally why else would, what else would you obsess about? And I actually had a client who had an eating disorder. So there, again, there, here's this like flavor of there's something, there's something there, right? You already know. (laughs) What is it? Like just, no, I just, no, I'm just, I can already tell, like, it's probably going to go down the terms of like, Oh, what if, it could be so many things, but like, totally. what if this type of food makes me? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I, mean, I used to I, do that one when I was pregnant. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. 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 Well, but that's please so tell easy, me though. this person's. I was just going to say that this person was afraid that they were going to have like a heart attack, which the problem okay. is that they had 
and eating disorder, but it was like, it was somewhat excessive. They'd been to a doctor. The doctor had said, you know what, you're, you're fine. As long as you stop the, you know, the harmful behaviors, it, it should be, you should be okay based on your vitals and everything. And they were still worried that they might just out of the blue have a heart attack. So, but they can, again, there's another example of, of merging. Yeah. Total yeah. merge. Total merge. Um, Is that Maud? Do you hear her purring? <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't want to bring it up because I was like, she gets way too much attention on the show anyways. Because <laughs> maybe she's not hearing it. Okay, hold on. That, that time. No, I liked it. I was just like, am I no, really hearing it? we don't that? want her. Okay. Okay. How is it now? It's great. Yeah. I'll stop petting her. Oh. Otherwise, she'll scream and yell. Honestly, it'll be way worse. But okay. Okay. So back to, let's, should we talk about compulsions? Let's do it. Okay. Um, doctor hopping. Yes. So going to multiple specialists, all being met with, I'm sorry, ma'am or sir, you do not have cancer. Right. And that worry of like, well, maybe they just missed that one x-ray they didn't read it right or the you know the radiologist yep. didn't do it right or yep. is it radiologist mm, no so i don't know x-rays yeah yeah no okay. i think you nailed that i should so no you you did it you you knocked that okay. out of the park so yes doctor hopping also just want to throw out there that it's you know it's relatively normal to get a second opinion with things but we're talking about you know continuing to either go to new doctors or call the doctor over and over and again, over again, if you are like, did I actually hear the right diagnosis or was that like, or maybe I need to make sure that I heard them correctly or did they, did they hear what I said this? Maybe they didn't hear that. Mm -hmm. So I need to call back to make sure that they heard that Googling. I saw somebody say, which yes, Dr. Google clarifying your symptoms going off of what you had said is you know like over explaining it's like oh really overly okay we got it we heard what you said got it yep right and it happens a lot in session too and it happens in particularly in the context of mental health obsessions with us yes yeah yes right yep um another compulsion i mean i've had clients where pretty severe cases where they've gone to, I think like 18 different appointments in the same day. Wow. Yeah. Like stopped going to work and just that reassurance was so heavily needed. Um, anyways, don't worry. They got better. Isn't that's, that amazing? That's the best news. I know they did. Oh. They got better. It's a big deal. I just, by the way, saw, uh, Somebody say watching videos about cancer stories could be a compulsion, could also be an exposure. Yeah. Depends on how you approach it, right? Depends. Yeah. Certainly depends on whether or not you do compulsions after the fact, right? Like, right. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, reading other symptoms of people, right? Like trying to see like, oh, do mine compare to that? Google is the worst because. You Google a symptom and it'll generate you're either dying or you have a headache. Yeah. It's really one or the other. 
Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, I actually like a week ago, I had these really intense night sweats, which you're welcome for that information. I woke up and I was like, Oh, I am really not smelling very good. So I looked it up because, uh, you know, I thought just curious, uh, is there something that I could do about this? And it was like, you're in menopause. I'm like, really? I'm 35. <laughs> yeah. Really? If you're in am menopause, I, okay. I am well, screwed. Maybe. I would be so upset for myself. And hey, who knows? We have to, we have to accept uncertainty, but who knows? But, yeah. but this is what Google does. This is. Yes, it does. Yeah. Which yeah. leads to the avoidance piece. Oh yeah. So there's actually in the diagnostic criteria, either care seeking or care avoidant. I know. Is that the actual terminology I'm trying to think? You know what? I think that was hypochondriasis. I don't, with illness, anxiety disorder, which is technically the real term, everybody, but I, I have a hard time believing that one's going to catch as much as health anxiety. Let me look. Cause I have it. Oh my gosh. I have mine over there. I was about to say, I'm going to go look it up. I could, um, I could have sworn that care seeking or care avoidant was on there, but I could be wrong. Um, no, it makes sense. I think it's uh avoidance, but let me look. So care. No, you're but, right. It's okay. both. Okay. So the, the care seeking is what we've been talking about. The excessive checking in with doctors or um, getting new doctor's opinions and all of that. The other side of things is this avoidance, which is, I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to get that checked because what if something's wrong? Um, so avoiding any sort of input or information can also be compulsive because compulsions are never, they're such tricky bastards, right? It could be. Are. Yeah. And yeah. avoidance is strong. Remember, mm -hmm. if you avoid, it works for a while. Yeah. Pretty well. Yeah. And then it blows up in your face. So don't get too excited when avoidance works because it's a compulsion. It is. Well, and I, I think even avoidance can be only temporarily helpful. Well, sure. Well, like any. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because, especially because of the fact that you might be excessively ruminating, right? you might be mentally compulsing all the time, even though you're avoiding doctors, which it's like, Okay, you're still in a lot of suffering. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. really matter that you're not seeing a doctor. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, and just a reminder, because I'm seeing a lot of things pop through the feed because it goes pretty quickly. If you have any questions, please throw them in that little question mark box. Yeah, obviously, I need to draw what a question mark is. You're welcome. Um, in the, exactly. Thank you, Kelly. Mm -hmm. uh, in the right of the comment section. That would be great because we don't want to miss it. Um, in any case. <laughs> so anywho. so anywho. compulsions. Um, also that over attending to symptoms, right? Like mm -hmm. checking in, like waking up in the morning. How do I feel? Yeah. Do I feel cancery today? Do <laughs> I feel like, do I have that? <laughs> Is it bad that I'm laughing at that? But the way you said that. No, was, but I've been there, man. Scary. So it's totally. You know, like, is so this what cancer feels like? You know, like, uh, yeah. Is the lump in my, you know, like checking, right? Like checking yeah. to see if like there's a lymph node that's swollen or. Yeah. Yeah. No, but um, to your point, just physically checking any part of your body, body that you associate with something being wrong. Um, I had a client who used to check 
and this is a little bit more of OCD, but used to check his skin for signs of um, Carposi sarcoma, right? It's, and that's right. even more of like a physical check or um, would check the, the sort of whether or not there were, there was some sign in his throat of, you know, things being, I don't, I can't remember what exactly what the, the sign was, but, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Man, it's tricky. And again, I just think about like, oh, wow, that could bleed into something else too. Is like, it could bleed into even skin picking at some point. It's like, oh, I have to get it off or it's got to be, mm-hmm. right. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, this so is what happens checking. when you become an OCD therapist and you have OCD is that you're like, ooh, I've got another idea. <laughs> and what about this? Have you thought about this one? Yeah. Good, good um, one. Yeah. Reassurance seeking? Mm-hmm. Fair amount of it. You think I'm going to be okay? Do you think I have it? Are you sure? Can you look at the results? Yeah. Yeah. Especially like that's a good combo between avoidance and reassurance, right? Like I don't want to look at the results myself, but could you look at them for me and just let me know if there's something really wrong? Right. And then even the absence of saying anything is in itself a form of reassurance. Yeah. Isn't it? Bummer. I know. I know. Um, Okay. One other thing that I want to throw out there is that uh, environmental contaminants can play a role in this. Like uh, fear of asbestos, fear of um, lead poisoning, lead poisoning. That's a good one, right? That this is again, where the sort of the, the health related obsessions and the health anxiety do this fun little dance. Yeah. I, I think it might be worth mentioning that at some point I was stuck for a while, a while ago about having done exposures, which I did. Okay. Right. With a client but was concerned that maybe I pushed the envelope too far Mm. and then now I've killed their unborn child. I've I've, I've given them, I forced them into having a health anxiety. So that is a culmination of almost like health harm by proxy. Yep. All of it. Yeah. Good one. There's like some morality in there. There's like all over it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's so, a good anywho. conglomeration. Yeah, it's OCD, but yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh, Anything sh- else? No, I don't think so. Okay. So, exposures. So, like we said earlier, you could watch things about people who have the diagnosis that you're afraid of having. Yep. As this is especially, I find that there's a, a way of grading it from people who have cancer who survive to people who have cancer who get really, really sick, but still survive to people with cancer who end up dying. Right. Like that, that's mm-hmm. generally the, the last one is going to be more anxiety provoking to somebody with health anxiety. I've seen it where, um, a few parents were obsessed with what if I have cancer and my, it's not necessarily about dying, but that my children will have to take care of me and I will deplete them of everything and be, a, mm. I won't be able to be like the best parent and I don't want my children to suffer. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. so 
Another one could be over attending to the symptoms without compulsing. So bringing mm -hmm. on, usually we'd start like in session doing that to make sure that people aren't checking or compulsing. Because mm -hmm. yes. that can just be, be just like reading the stories, right? You can compulse around it, it can be a compulsion, but the symptoms are triggering for people. So saying, oh, I'm going to bring that symptom on. For sure. And I think it, this speaks to the fact that sometimes compulsions are so automatic that you have to turn them into exposures. Yes, so, exactly. That's so well said. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So essentially that if you find yourself automatically like checking in to make sure that your pancreas feels okay, I don't even know where my pancreas is exactly, but no you know. Clue if I were to do that, if I knew, um, that, that I might do that without even thinking. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh shoot, I just checked. And I got some form of reassurance that I'm okay because I can't feel my pancreas. And then I'm going to go like, Oh, well, yeah, but maybe, maybe I do have pancreatic cancer. Right. right. And to mm -hmm. feel the anxiety that, that, wells up as a direct result of that. Um, yes. Uh, imaginals, writing the story of the what if, mm -hmm. the, the worst fear for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, well, and even know. just doing mini imaginals, like, like secondary to what you were just talking about, that like, don't forget to think about your pain, your pancreas. Why with the pancreas? Don't forget to think about your heart. Don't forget to think about your intestines. I don't know. Yeah whatever it is, your lungs. Exactly. Don't forget that you're, um, I don't know, that, you're, about that your blemish on your face is actually skin cancer. Don't forget about that. Don't forget. Yeah. Yep. Um, which actually brings up kind of a good point is when you're like, you're talking about your client who is obsessed with carcinoma skin, right? which is just cancer of the skin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I was talking about Carposi sarcoma, sorry, that's, um, part of HIV AIDS. Oh, oh. Like it, it, or it's, I don't know that it's always in, it happens with HIV AIDS, but it's associated with it because it's those, oh, those dark so spots that, that people with advanced. Yeah. But, right. Yes. But carcinoma, please. Yeah. So if, cause that can be a big one is the health anxiety there is that you can't always avoid a mirror. Like sometimes it's unavoidable, right? right? In your house, it certainly can be avoided for somebody who's doing um, lots of skin picking or whatnot. It's kind of needed initially. Um, but for somebody who, you know, like is out in public or they're at work, they're not gonna, they're gonna see something. And that's really triggering, right? It's like, they see it automatically and they could spend hours and I've had clients spend an hour in a bathroom at work mm. checking for something that wasn't there, right? But not trusting their own eyes and looking over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but to say like it's automatic sometimes the compulsion because it's, it's like being an alcoholic with, you know, alcohol glued to your hands, Yes. It's like you can't really get it off. Right. It's just right, right there. Right. Um, and so sitting with that uncertainty of it and saying, okay, well, well, let's turn it into an exposure in session. 
Right. Like, let's sit in front of the mirror and say, maybe, right? Yeah. And then put it away and practice putting it away and not checking until you at least get home, get in your car and drive home. Yeah. Well, and And, even then, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, no, I know, but But to delay, I'm with you. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's the thing is that in effect, catching sight of yourself in a mirror is always something that's going to be happening. Right. So right. to to learn to live with those triggers is really, really important. Right. What I else in terms so. of uh, exposures? Let's see. Yeah. Watching movies, reading articles, uh, writing doctors. an imaginal. What about doctors? Going to doctors. Oh, if you're an avoider. Yep. So yeah. So um, going in and maybe... Maybe just calling the doctor is the first step, right? Yeah, yeah. Setting up an appointment. I've certainly worked with people who are like, I really need to make an appointment with X doctor. I've been putting it off for this many years. And yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually, you know, the OCD Stories has a great episode on health anxiety. If any of you are interested, I forget the name of the clinician that Stuart Ralph interviews, but it's one of the longer episodes, but it's very good. And it's probably like a year or two old. So I I wish I knew like the episode number, but you might have to scroll a bit. Yeah. And it's very good. It's good. And, and he talks about how, you know, cancer is, there's a high chance of getting cancer in this society nowadays, not to trigger anyone, but Hey, when in Rome. Yeah. So here we are. And he was talking about the fact that, like, we really do have to sit with the uncertainty that maybe one day a client walks in and it's like has cancer. Yeah. Yeah. But checking and going to a million doctors isn't going to get you your, to your goal. You still no. have cancer No. or you don't. Well, that's the thing with a lot of our the themes of OCD and of, of anxiety in general is that there is maybe some level with most forms of anxiety of helpful checking, right. Or helpful problem solving is probably a better way to put it related to the, the anxiety. So in this case, if you actually do have a symptom going to a doctor to get it checked out makes sense. We're just looking at, you know, Kelly's example of somebody who's going to the doctor to 18 doctors in one day or continually calling a a doctor back and saying like, oh, well, this small but very similar new symptom just came on. Do you think it's still okay? That that's Mm -hmm. that's where we want to be wary of of when the 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 attempted solution is becoming the problem. Exactly. It starts to undermine the entire process. And something we often say in OCD treatment is like the one and done approach is that if the person is presenting with some type of a symptom, right? Like anybody in life makes sense. You'd go to the doctor, get it checked out. And if they say, nope, you're good. Then to say, okay, because you historically speaking have an obsession around this stuff. Yeah. So in the meantime, until the results come back, Let's pretend you don't have it until you do. Right. Right. 
But I think it's an excellent point that you bring up that ultimately we have to accept that that may be possible in order to have the freedom to live life. Exactly. Otherwise we're just completely overtaken. Yeah. Sorry. It's a hard one. That is a, it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one, but there's a lot of freedom in that. Right. I think yeah. it's interesting. I, I don't know. This is just partially my own experience of it, but recognizing in those moments, just, Oh, right. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. That's a possibility. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything about that. It's unnerving. Mm-hmm. I don't, obviously I don't want to have cancer, but mm-hmm. okay, maybe. Right. And that urgency too, is like, I have to know if I have it and I have to know right this second. It's like, right. well, remember the doctor said that if there was an issue, they would call you back sooner. And if not, you'll see them on the flip side. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> on the flip side. Should we go to questions? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we have a lot. Um, I'm going to try to go through the ones that were submitted ahead of time. Okay. I know we kind of covered some of those. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like is health anxiety its own diagnosis? It certainly is. Um, Schizophrenia stuff. So does this get better? And that's been a few of them is like, how do I, you know, I have, can you really overcome health anxiety? Yeah. It's really possible, right? Like I just told you a pretty extreme case of somebody, you know, and they are in remission, right? Like, of course they have unwanted intrusive thoughts now and again. And as far as I know, and I just didn't, I spoke to them not even that long ago, but I haven't treated them in years. They're just checking in just to say hello and things are good. Yes, it's possible. It is. Do the work. It'll, it'll yeah. pan out for you. Yeah. No, I, and I love that you shared that particular story. <laughs> it's such a, like a nice full circle moment. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking right now of, of somebody who I worked with who had a lot of fears around chronic, like a chronic uh, disorder and that they no longer, when, when it comes up, they just don't respond anymore. And they're maybe a little bit anxious, but then they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to be a little anxious until it passes. So I think it's important to have realistic expectations of what recovery looks like. Um, so uh, overcome it. Yes. Depending on how we define overcome it, we're not going to you know, like Kelly was kind of saying, we're not going to get rid of the thoughts. We're not going to get rid of the feelings, but we can change our relationship to those things and whether or not we decide to let them overtake us. Yep. Absolutely. Um, okay. Let's move on to the next one. I just, okay. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, there was something because it popped up while you were looking. Um, somebody said to me, it's hard to tackle it because I feel like if I have something, I must catch it as soon as possible. I just mm. thought it was an interesting thought. Topic in does, general. It does come up, right? The sense of like, well, you have to catch it early, right? Mm-hmm. And that sort of narrative really drives people <clears throat> to be hypervigilant, especially, you know, people with 
this disorder. I think there are some people who even having that narrative in their ear will be like, yeah, I'll go to the doctor in a month. We'll see. Right. Like they just don't, it doesn't bother them as much, but, um, but yeah, this idea that you have to catch it as soon as possible when we work with this disorder, it's like, you know, there has to be room for missing something. And that's not to say that we ignore things when they come up, but that if it's questionable and you've already had it checked out and it's probably, you know, your best guess is that it's probably nothing different than, than you take the risk. That's right. And not also, that that's direct advice. I just mean to say that that's sort of how we work with it because we're not allowed to get direct advice. Just wanted to throw that out there. Absolutely. Um, and also saying, you know, when people come in and they're like, you know, my symptoms are this, this, and that, and I need to know now. It's like, well, if you do have cancer, the difference between going right after this session and meeting with a doctor in three or four days or even a week is if you have it, it's marginal indifference, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, so I guess the point is saying like, it's the urgency required is never that urgent. Like, it's like, oh, well, when did it become then deadly or lethal? Was it in that one day? It's like, well, right. likely not. No, no. Right. Okay. With tons of compassion, because believe me, I get this. Yeah. Uh, hundred percent. Yeah. So this person says is, is obsessing about not being able to sleep also health anxiety. Well, it could be, it could connect to health anxiety. I think it depends on. Right. Like, what, is like, it a bigger underlying condition? Or what are the consequences if I'm not able to sleep? What if I'm not able to sleep and I, I die because of not being able to sleep, right? Like that would be. Something. Or become delusional and then. I'm delusional or yeah, that the, that I can see where that would hook in, but the obsession itself about like, what if I'm not able to sleep and I'm just uncomfortable wouldn't be part of this necessarily. Yeah. I've had a client who's obsessed around sleep and I diagnosed them with OCD because it was primarily that. And the worry was like, okay, well, what if I don't sleep and then tomorrow my anxiety gets worse? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Can't see. Sorry. Yeah. yeah it's well, brutal. insomnia really, I mean, the way that it's treated so much of it is about accepting insomnia, right? Like it's about accepting the potential that you might not be able to sleep. Um, because I think so much of it is the fixation on, I have to be able to sleep. And if I'm not able to sleep, that's going to be a problem. And what's it going to be like? And all the catastrophizing that goes on about, around that. Um, so I'm going to answer somebody's question who I think just recently posted. Because a lot of the ones are kind of redundant. So hmm. does this involve perinatal health anxiety. Can OCD latch onto baby's health and mother-to-be, which is what we had talked about earlier on, Lauren had mentioned, is the by proxy aspect of this. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, uh, in terms of the boxes, the concentric circles, right, this is where PPOCD or, or perinatal OCD, rather, in this case, um, mixes with the health anxiety. Right. Definitely. Okay. Is that, do we answer the question? Yeah. 
eccentric Absolutely. circle. <laughs> um, So I've seen a lot of people ask about depersonalization and derealization. I assume, I'm not going to pop up the questions because they're pretty lengthy, but I assume that their worry is around mental health obsessions. Um, So unless, unless the fear is that that's some type of symptom of having some other disease that I'm dementia, dementia. Yeah. What else could you be worried about? Like maybe like a tumor? Could be a, t- uh, a seizure. I've had clients worried about, did I have a seizure in my sleep or a absent seizure? Um, okay. Um, sorry, just looking through. We have a oh. lot of questions. So uh-huh. hopefully we cover most of them. I know we don't have too much time left. Yeah. Should we take one more? Yeah, let's take on one more. Okay. Um, so this one I'm a little confused about. Maybe they could, you could help me, Lauren, or the person if they're here. How is it possible to stop or rather prevent imaginations and echoes in mind, please? I'm not sure what that means exactly. So the way I'm reading this, and if this person is here, please if you could clarify, but I'm wondering if imaginations, they're talking about like images, like preventing Mm. the presence of, of images in the mind, which we cannot do. So it's not possible to stop images. If that's what you mean by imaginations. Now the active sort of churning around that, like if you're, there's a difference between having something pop up in your mind versus and like the act of imagining like I'm gonna like see this story all the way through to the end that's that's more of a mental compulsion and maybe that's what you mean by echoes in the mind um or maybe it's the recurrence and the reality is that that these images and thoughts tend to be really repetitive by nature so and they echo yeah that's an interesting like language she used I like it echo echo it is it's so true um, okay, good. I would like to just add one more thing too to that. Probably, is that probably take the floor. I'm going to try. Is that, uh, I think health anxiety gets tricky because, so I have a diagnosis of OCD and generalized anxiety disorder, right? And I recently switched doctors and it's kind of scary walking into an office and saying like, okay, here are my symptoms and not being immediately um, over pathologized, I thought it was worth mentioning. And someone saying like, well, like they minimize or they discredit your symptoms that not at all was my experience in the new doctor. Right. Office, right. But it certainly was in the past and, yeah. um, it's frustrating and it goes to a bigger issue, of course, as a mental health advocate as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's frustrating. And I think it's really important as a clinician to recognize like, that's shitty that that doctor didn't listen to you, right? Like yeah. I know that those, that you're feeling these physical symptoms and to validate that client. And like, that's awful. Like they feel really anxious and they're worried. So my obsessions aren't primarily around that. I think 
in general, I do have a lot of health issues, but <laughs> I'm right. just used to it at this point. But people who are going in, they're terrified, right? They're like visibly shaking yeah. and to be met with just, you're fine. Like, what are you worried about? So, well, especially, even if it's, uh, yeah. If you share that you have an anxiety diagnosis, right? That all of a sudden it's like the tendency to write off symptoms, right? Like that's really, it's messed up. And I think that as, as mental health clinicians, I think you're kind of, you're saying and or pointing to this is that it is our job to not immediately discredit people just because they have a diagnosis. And so one of the things that I try to do with the people that I work with is to say like, okay, well, what do you think? Cause I, I could see where this could be kind of compulsive. Do you think that this is compulsive? Be honest, right? Like you're not, I'm not the one who suffers if you're, you know, seeking reassurance here, but I, this could be it, or it could be something else and, and leaving it up to them to be clear. And I think that that's something that family members and friends can also do is say like, okay, I smell reassurance. Is it reassurance or is it just, <laughs> I smell is it teen spirit. I smell teen spirit, but yeah, does, I, I just thought that that was an, an, an addendum and, and sort of in keeping with what you were saying, which is so important. You're like, I'm so glad you brought it up. Yeah. And I think it's like, whether it's real or imagined, it's very real for that person. So yeah. go screw yourself. <laughs> Can you tell I have a chip on my shoulder about Fight it? Me. I do. Well, I have um, a chip on my shoulder about it on your behalf. So I, I right. yeah, it's so, yeah. and on my clients too, it's like, they're scared shitless and you're sitting there totally minimizing them. And now I want to punch you in the face. Sorry. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have said that on the live. Throat but punch in the face. Direct hit. So on that note, I don't know if there's anything. <laughs> yeah, I swear we're really compassionate <laughs> to people who are worthy of compassion. Yeah, but um, which is in theory That's, everyone. But, yeah, right. I know. It's just <laughs> but except for sociopath. It's fine. That's fine. So well, any um, other closing thoughts? I think that, that was actually a really probably beautiful note to bring back. Cool. All right. And on. Good. Thank you all for being patient with us through that process because it was glitchy. Yeah. Um, but if there's, oh, sorry, it cut off. Were you talking? Mm-mm. Okay. If there's any questions we didn't answer because we did get just a large amount, yeah. um, please leave them in our post, which we'll actually post this after we're done on both of our uh, pages. So, and on YouTube mm-hmm. as well. Yep. And ask there. Yep. And if you have any other subtypes that we haven't covered yet that you want covered, we're, we're drawing nigh, I think, to being done with all of the more common subtypes anyway. So. Yeah. Did we do mental health obsessions? Mm-hmm. We did. Yeah. It's just so close to emotional contamination, I think, that I. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. No, but we want to hear from you if anyone wants to give us any thoughts or ideas that you want to hear about. Or feedback, too. Or feedback. We're open to that, too. All right. All right, folks. Until next week. Until next week. Goodbye. Bye.
Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you, so please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our message as helpful as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD.